Spoiler season with us. New cards. Welcome to episode 10 of Spoiler Season. Woo! All right, 10 episodes in. Uh, yeah, we're over halfway through our first spoiler season together. Spoiler season with us. <laughs> um, and let's get started. We have a lot of cards to go through tonight. Yeah. Um, a good number of them are less constructed playable, so we'll, we'll move a little quickly through those. We'll breeze through those and focus more on the exciting stuff. <coughs> Dovin Blonde, the new Planeswalker. Yeah, we'll leave, uh, we'll save him till last. Yeah. So first up, we have Aether Squall Ancient, which is blue, blue, five for a six, six flying. At the beginning of your upkeep, you get three energy counters, and you pay eight energy counters to return all other creatures to their owner's hands. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. What do you think about this one? Okay, first, obviously, limited bomb. Six six are great stats in limited. Flying, Flying. is awesome. So good. And the games will go long enough that seven mana is payable. Um, I love that this is a repeatable, not just repeatable, it is a repeating energy gain right you get three energy every upkeep if you keep him around right you do have to keep him around but he's pretty big and limited he he could be a really hard card to answer so and the ability to bounce all of your opponent's creatures again in limited great in constructed so i saw this and i saw it for a control deck probably because it's big it's blue it has flying so it has a way to get through and it does have some not great removal tacked on right in the pay what is that eight mana or eight energy to return all other creatures to their owner's hands so it has the removal it's big it's flying but i know you have some concerns I about strongly <laughs> disagree card's terrible and constructed um it's seven mana for a six six okay um so first of all, seven mana is a lot. It's more than six. Significant. <laughs> Math. Here's what I mean. And what I'm saying is that seven mana is much more than six uh, mana as compared to three mana versus two mana, for example. Sure. Right? You're not guaranteed to hit that seventh mana. Right. right. Um, next, sure, this guy has flying. Great. It doesn't really matter that much because in a control deck, the board should be relatively clear anyways. And he's so big that it would just kill anything it touches. At the end of your upkeep, you get the three energy counters. I don't think that's super relevant. Maybe there's a control deck that cares. Probably not. Uh, and then return all creatures to their owner's hand. That seems terrible. That seems so bad. Uh, even if you have the energy to use it the moment it comes down, I don't want to pay seven mana for something that just bounces my opponent's board and gives them an opportunity to replay all of their ETB triggers, right? Going, oh, I'm playing against... Bant humans, I cast this, and now you reflect your mage it back and kill me the next turn with the army that you have accrued. Um, this thing has no, like, protection. It has no way to avoid any kind of spells. It doesn't have any hexproof, not even conditional hexproof. It can't return itself to its hand. It can't blink itself. It can't do anything. It's basically just a big leviathan beater. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, this is like a 7-mana 6-6, six, six, and that's about it. And there's no reason to play a 7-mana 6-6 six, six in control. Think about what this is competing with. I could play Soren a turn earlier and get to draw a card while killing my opponent or kill any of their threats, right? Bouncing everything is not removal. It is bad for you. <laughs> it is downside, not upside. Yeah. Um, it could be tempo, but especially in this format with a lot of ETBs, it's it's even worse. I would argue it is. it gives your opponent tempo when you tap out 
bounce their board, and then they get to play their stuff first, reflector mage your thing back to your hand. Now they have a giant board, and you're behind a turn. If they don't have reflector mage, it's not a problem. Who doesn't have reflector mage? <laughs> Card is everywhere. Yeah. And also, like, it doesn't even, it doesn't bounce, like, planeswalkers or anything either. So right. they get to keep their, their planeswalkers as well. Yeah. All right. So bad removal. Just a big dumb guy. Bad creature. Will not see standard play. Yep. But still excited to open in limited if I ever build a blue deck. Great limited. All right, next up, Longfinned Sky Whale. Ooh. Whoa, wait, wait, back up, back up. Do that again. No. Is that your whale sound? That was the whale sound. The Sky, the sky Whale sky whale sound. just flew by outside. No, I have a question. I have a question. Yes. Uh, is your whale sound distinct from your Sky Whale sound? Uh, obviously. Okay. Let's. We heard Sky Whale. Let's hear whale. I mean, but that wasn't me. It was actually a sky okay, whale can we, flying back. Can we hear a whale? Well, there's not a whale here. We're not in the ocean, so. Okay. Um, bookmark this. Next time you get a whale that's not a sky whale, I want to hear it. <laughs> All right. So this sky whale is blue, blue, two for a four, three flying. Um, when, oh, no when. Just he can block only creatures with flying. Yeah, I really like this card. I like this card a lot. In limited, this is an uncommon. This is fantastic. A four-power flyer. Uh, this is a great way to press your opponent. Um, it's like, you know, I don't think it's great and constructed, um, but in in limited, it's a very good card that I would probably pick highly if I'm looking to play some kind of like, you know, almost any deck with blue. This is just a great card. Great card. Yep, totally agree. In limited, I think flying is just so powerful. It, it can be really hard to answer. Yep. So Often be the way you win a game. Absolutely. Next up, Sky Whaler's Shot. This oh, is, this is this is tied to the Sky Whale. Yeah, actually, you can see the Sky Whale in the art. He's getting is this taken like a, down. A, a steampunk Moby Dick? Oh my gosh. It looks like he's shooting him. Yeah, I think it, it is. It does kill the Sky Whale. In the moment of truth. It is as though time stands still and the whale waits, suspended in the sky. Oh man! So this this steampunk, this steampunk, kills the sky whale. <laughs> That's so sad. Well, he tries to. Yeah, we don't know if it dies or not, but it does because the card kills it. Actually, yeah, because it it's three. Yeah. Why don't we read what the card does? Yeah. So white two instant destroy target creature with power three or greater, which the sky whale has. So um. And scry one. And Scry 1. Very important, yeah, that's, actually. That's good. This, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, this card is great. Again, in limited, um, it kills. Almost any card that you'd be really concerned about will die. Um, and the nice thing is it is 3 mana, which is decent. It's an instant, which is great. It has Scry 1, which is just added on value. And uh, the creature doesn't have to be attacking or blocking, which is often a kind of downside you get with white cards with white removal spells so that's really nice right in fact the very next white removal spell impeccable timing white one instant impeccable timing deals three damage to target attacking or blocking creature right so it's one less mana but you have to goad your opponent into attacking or blocking which if they have a creature who's standing back there and doing some sort of activated ability this could be a hard removal spell to actually get in i i kind of disagree i think this card is actually really good um, it, you don't have in limited. You don't need to goad your opponents into attacking you. It's what they do, anyways, right? Like um, this is great. The fact that it's two mana instead of three mana is is really relevant. And early game, this kills everything. And in the late game, this can still pick off some 
smaller threats and it allows you to kill larger threats in combination with the creature. Sure, you're going to two for one yourself, but often it's going to be worth it to get rid of their bomb. Yeah, I, I do agree. I actually think this is great and limited. I just have these terrible flashbacks to actually a match that we played at a pre-release. Oh, oh who won that match? <laughs> so you had, I don't know what it was called. It was an Eldrazi that had this ability where it untapped. Endbringer. Like, every Best upkeep. card ever. And you never swung with it. And no, I had a to. removal spell yeah. that killed attacking creatures. And so I just sat there as you slowly killed me with this card. Yeah. If I recall correctly, I actually killed you on turn five of extra turns with Xaxes. Yeah. Yeah, so, that was um, a sweet match. Impeccable timing is excellent, except in that situation. You might say my Endbringer had impeccable timing. You might. Next up, Inventor's Apprentice. Red for a 1-2 human artificer. When inventor... No. I keep adding one to everything. Yeah, well, you just like triggers. Triggered I, triggers are great. I want ETBs everywhere. You're going to play mono panharmonicon in standard? <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to write when on each of my cards <laughs> so that they all have ETBs. Even though it doesn't make any sense here. Yeah. Judge? Inventor's Apprentice is red for a 1-2. Inventor's Apprentice gets plus one plus one as long as you control an artifact. This is... Uh, and Marrow even said it was inspired by Kurt Ape. This is basically Kurt Ape, right, for artifacts. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Kurt Ape is a uh, card that is, I think it's kind of been replaced by Bushwhacker, maybe? I don't know. But it's playable in Modern Zoo for a while, Nia Zoo. It's red for a 1-1 one, one that gets plus 1 plus 2 if you control a forest. Uh, so it becomes a 2-3 for 1 mana. This is the same thing. It's a 2-3 for 1 mana. This card is fantastic in any kind of aggressive strategy. And we're going to come back to that. I, I say any kind of aggressive strategy. I shouldn't. This is good in aggressive strategies. Okay. I, I think this it's shaping up to look like there's a lot of different aggro decks. Yeah. Be and I say that because, and we're, we'll look at some of the other cards, but it looks like we have kind of a white or red-white uh, dwarf tribalish vehicles thing yeah. we have a green red energy aggro deck shaping up yep. we have a red black colorless eldrazi aggro deck that can include artifacts i think there's a couple of things happening and it looks like aggro has been dead for a while <laughs> um unless you want to count company but i don't because no. it's not an aggro deck uh even though it can some like bant humans can play like an aggro deck sometimes i think we're gonna see a lot of aggro in week one and I think that we're going to see a lot of different aggro. It's not going to be, oh, it's week one, let's play mono red. It's going to be week one, I'm going to play an aggro deck, but I don't know which one. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I do too. It even seems because there is such a diversity of potential aggro decks, maybe it'll stick around in standard. Yeah, I think aggro is going to actually be competitive. Um, I think, yeah. yeah. These, card looks, th these cards look really good. This whole set looks very strong. I think I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. So next up is a tune with ether. You can guess uh, Nissa's on this card. Is that why you, you spoke it like that? Yeah. A tune with ether. Ashaya. There we go. Yeah. So it's green for sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. You get two energy. Meh. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's an interesting card. It, you know, like a kind of. Can take me like it's it's weird because it doesn't actually ramp you at all right um it doesn't get it's not like oath of nissa where in the late game you can cash it in for a planeswalker or even in the early game right if you're flooded cash it in for a planeswalker or a creature or something this always is a land 
and the upside is that it gives you two mana. Now, I think if this costs anything other than one mana, it would be completely unplayable. Agreed. The fact that it costs just a single green and gives you two energy, I think this card actually could see play. I think we could see, like, in the, you know, red-green aggro deck even, you can go low on your land counts, and this is a way just to kind of cantrip into a land and add some energy to get an extra counter on something. Um, I think the card could be playable in, in Constructed because of this. Yeah. It's I, priced correctly. I agree. It, it feels like a land with upside. Yeah, with the downside being that you are paying for it. True. Right? You can't just play the land and get to energy. You're you're paying green, and then you're playing the land. Yeah. So it's an interesting card, I, and I think it might see play. I think it, it should be tested. I, I agree. I think it could see play in that red-green aggro energy deck we, we sort of talked about mm-hmm. because of the counter, the, the counters that you can add with yeah. two energy. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm skeptical of a card that is pretty much just card it, neutral. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's weird. It's like uh, card advantage, it's neutral, right? You're just trading one for one. Right. Um, but you're getting two energy, and sometimes two energy can be, it's worth something. It's worth at least part of a card, especially yeah. if you have a deck that can abuse the energy or really put it to good use. But you're also kind of losing tempo because you're paying a green, but then you could be gaining tempo because you can put a plus plus one counter on something. It's yeah. just, it's, it's a very, it's a card that I think in the right spot could be really good, but it's a lot of time going to be kind of awkward, and it's just not super clear to me um, whether this is worth a card or not. Yeah, I mean, when you say, you know, because we do have that economy of energy, two energy is worth one, 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 one counter. Would you use a card to put a 1-1 counter on one creature? Well, that's not what you're doing. You're using a counter to get a, like, your your land. It's it's like a land is entering the battlefield, and you can pay green to get to energy. Yeah. Right? And that sounds great. I would probably play that in red-green aggro. So if you play that in red-green aggro, that's why I think maybe you play this in red-green aggro. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Next up, we have Chandra's Pyrohelix. These these card names for Chandra, I, I don't know, like, how they come up with these? It's just like Pyro, so Fire, Fiery, Burning, angry. Cinder, Angry, Rage, Temper. and combine it with some down, and then you're all set. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so this is Red 1 Instant. Chandra's Pyro Helix deals two damage to bodies you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. I like this in Limited. I think it's really good. Effects like this have always been really good in Limited. The ability to possibly get a two-for-one is nice, and the ability to be able to throw this to the face when you need to is nice. Um, it's just it, Again, the thing that makes it here is just the flexibility, yeah. uh, and the fact that it's an instant is really important. Agreed. Creatures, players, two damage, divided as you choose is really nice. It's not like you have to deal it all in one place. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. In fact, you can even... Uh, use this in response to the what are they called the fabricate triggers since it's an oh, ETB so yeah. they can trigger and that I mean that goes for any burn spell right where you can just burn it out right but that's why the instant is so important on yeah, this card yeah yeah next up we have Tezzeret's ambition blue blue three sorcery draw three cards if you control no artifacts discard a card so I'm gonna presume you never play this in a deck without artifacts. Yeah. Because otherwise it's really bad. It's a sorcery for five mana. Right. Uh, I think that this is competing with um, Pour Over the Pages, which lets you draw the cards and then untap lands. 
and like relatively speaking, I know it's not in the format right now, but it's also kind of competing with um, our like bar for comparison is Jace's Ingenuity, which was blue, blue, three instant, draw three cards. That saw a little bit of play. We also have Scour the Laboratory, which is blue, blue, four, but like in the right deck really costs blue, blue, two, and that's an instant draw three. So uh, I don't think this card's going to see a ton of play, honestly. Uh, it's a like it's drawing three cards is a strong effect, but for five mana and at the downside of like, if I happen to not have an artifact, it doesn't work out. I have to discard one of those cards. I don't like it. Only and like this isn't even good in madness. Like it's five <laughs> mana. You're not gonna have mana left over to madness stuff. You took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say, but madness. Right. It, yeah. Like madness wants to be aggressive anyways, and they don't want to play a five mana yeah. draw three. All right. So moving right along, we have Whirler Virtuoso. This is red, white. You're really off today. You're messing everything up. Whirler Virtuoso is red, blue, one, for a 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters, and you can pay three energy counters to create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. I love this. So I'm thinking limited. Yeah. Flying is amazing and limited. So free flyer. And 2-3 body is super solid. And if you don't want the flyer and you have something else you want to do with the energy, fine. And if you have other ways to make energy, more flyers. Like, I just think this is so flexible and really, really solid and well-costed. Yeah, I agree. It's really good and limited. I think the only way you see this in Constructed is in a deck like uh, Rally the Ancestors or Black Green Aristocrats. Mm. Uh, not in terms of, like, it actually cares about sacking creatures. Like, maybe this doesn't, I don't think, particularly want to be in there. But um, a deck like that was okay with running Catacomb Sifter, right? Sure. Three mana, two, three, creates a body and adds some kind of value to the board. And this thing could do the same thing if you're running some kind of a shell that cares about energy or artifacts or artifact ETBs or blinking things. Like, something like that. Like, it could be a very, very, very niche player in one deck. But realistically, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see it very much. Right. It's just like, I mean, Whirler Rogue was better than this. And Whirler Rogue saw play only in Mono Blue Eldrazi, or Blue Red Eldrazi. Yeah, I was going to say Red Eldrazi. Yeah. Our next card is Malfist Squad, which is a black three creature with 3-1, uh, Menace, Fabricate 1. I like it in Limited. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very weak, but is a little unfortunate. But with Menace, it doesn't matter quite so much. The reason that I like this card uh, in Limited is... You, you, have, you have the ability, since it has so much power, if you put the Fabricate counter on itself, it's a four-power menace. So you swing with this, they have to block with two creatures, and four power is enough to kill most creatures, which means that you're given the choice of which to kill. So this is like kind of like a removal spell, but it has some flexibility in it. And if they don't have two creatures, this is a beater. So I, I really like the flexibility of this card, and I think it might be better than people expect firsthand but i do think you want to be um it needs to be in the right kind of shell like if you're going to be a defensive deck you definitely don't want this at all <laughs> terrible uh, it's, defender. yeah when you're trying to apply a lot of pressure play a tempo game and kill things that's where i think this guy will shine yep next up ruinous gremlin red for a one one you can pay red two to sack it and destroy target artifact Meh. yeah i don't know i could maybe see it in a limited deck. I think some of the vehicles are a real problem, and 
I mean, maybe you put it in your sideboard and you bring it in game two if your opponent has the Skyship console flagship. That's not what it's called, but... Yeah, Sky Sovereign console flagship. Yeah, because that could be a problem, and... It's also you know, a mythic, so... Not gonna, not gonna run into that one too often. Yeah, so that's why you have this in your sideboard. And maybe they have, maybe they have mana crypts. Right. Maybe so, they have Mox Opal. Yeah, maybe they maybe do. Maybe they have Hangerback Walker. Yeah, so and then you, you kill it and you give them Thopters. That's right. That's maybe they right. Have Sword of Fire and Ice. Yeah, well, you can destroy it now. Yeah, for a bunch of mana. No, I, I agree with you. I think that is fine. Like, if you need to blow up artifacts and you don't have any other ways to do it, it's fine. I think the biggest comparison you can draw with this in standard is. Something like Enlightened Aesthetic, uh, or the creature that comes in and can sack itself to blow up an enchantment. You know, it's like a body that can do things if they don't have the enchantment you're sideboarding against, or in this case, the artifact you're trying to sideboarding against, but can also blow it up if you need to. The thing that I think makes this worse is that you're paying so much for it. Is It's a really bad body, it's a 1-1, and then to get its good effect, you're paying three mana, That's I, I, so I don't love it. I think there's better sideboard cards to blow up artifacts in Constructed, maybe in Limited if this is all you have, but I, I don't even like it very much in Limited. All right. Next up, Inspired Charge. White, white, two. Instant creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn. Yep. Really good or really bad. No in between. It's always how <laughs> these cards work, right? In Limited, it's either you're behind, it's in your hand, it does absolutely nothing, or you're in a board stall and you cast this and you win the game. Yeah. That's my in-depth analysis of Inspired Charge. Very, very informative. Thank you. Next, we have Aetherborn Marauder. This is black three for a 2-2 with flying and lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, move any number of plus and plus one counters from other permanents you control onto Aetherborn Marauder. I really like this. Yeah? Flying lifelink is excellent. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, with a couple Fabricate creatures, you could get this up to a 4-4 Flying Lifelink. That is very good. And and again, I'm talking about Limited. I don't know. I don't think this sees Constructed play. 4 is just a lot. Um, I agree. I think that in Constructed, uh, 4 is a lot for a 2-2, base 2-2. Right. And there's too many things that have to go right for this to actually be good. Mm-hmm. And then you risk getting blown out by your removal spell, where you move all your counters onto this, and then they just kill it. Yeah. And that can still happen in Limited, but it's less likely to happen. And in Limited, the thing that I like about this is it turns... It's a great top deck in the late game. It turns your early, uh, like, turn 2, turn 3, turn 4 fabricate things that are now kind of sitting there useless as 2-2s or 3-2s or 4-4s four or whatever uh, into a giant lifelinking flyer, which is really, really good. And you're not going to lose much value because even if they kill this, the difference between a 3-3 and a 2-2 on turn 7 is pretty small. So you're still just going to use it to chump block either way. So even if you get, you know, kind of blown out by by them killing this, it's not actually very blown out at all. Yeah, I agree. So definitely look to pick it up in your draft pools. Yeah, I like it. But, I mean, you, you do need to make sure you have counters. Yeah. It, it's, like, very, very mediocre otherwise. <laughs> true, true. I'm sort of taking for granted that you will, um, but that... Yeah, and we have seen some, again, it's another card where, like, plus plus one counters matter. We've kind of seen that as a Mm sub-theme. I imagine you could draft some kind of black-green plus plus one counters or black-white plus plus one counters or you can obs on if you have the fixing. Maybe you, um, you know, draft the green Gear Hulk and get those counters on. Yeah, at Mythic. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I just draft (laughs) Mono Swords. Yeah, I think you should. Good strategy, good strategy to win my (laughs) draft pod, yeah. You see, Um, uh, there's a, a turn one kill. 
you can get in Kaladesh uh, sealed. Really? Yeah, if you pull like six, I forget the number, I think it's like six of the masterpieces, uh, and you can like churn out a bunch of mana, and then you play Aetherworks um, Reservoir, the one that you can gain life and it cares about Storm, and then you can basically, you can then cast the thing that bounces all your zero mana artifact masterpieces to your hand, recast them all, Storm count goes to 100,000, or it's just 62 or mm-hmm. whatever, and then you kill your opponent. You can do that on turn one. Oh, all right. Well, the odds of that are incredibly low. Yeah, just like the, uh, you know, drafting the uh, Green Gear Hulk. Don't crush my dreams. Sorry. Next up, Salivating Gremlins. These gremlins are, are pretty gross or weird. They're, I don't know. They're cool. They're just different. Respect differences, Katie. No, I refuse. It's red two for a two, three. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, salivating gremlins get plus two plus O oh and gain trample until end of turn. Sweet. I, I like this. Again, it, it looks like there's a red artifact aggro deck, red, white or something. Um, my, my issue is it's hard because four, three trample, very good. Especially if you play multiple artifacts, it gets big really quickly. But three mana is a lot for a creature that has a low base power. Um, and like it has a lot of toughness, but you don't care so much about that if you're looking to just trample over their stuff and kill them and deal a lot of damage. So this is a card that I, I'm not too high on. Um, we'll have to see if maybe the red X artifact aggro deck really needs to fill a three drop slot like this um, or cares if like actually it's going to produce artifacts a lot. Because it feels like a lot of the time in that deck, you know, based on the cards we've seen, they're going to just want to play artifacts, have them out early to get certain benefits of, like, controlling them, but it doesn't feel like you're going to be playing a whole bunch of artifacts in the late game. Like, this is turn three, so that means turn four, you want to be playing artifacts? Weird. Like, I guess you could make, like, if you have ETB Thopters or Servos and stuff, but I don't know. I'm not too high on this card, even though it looks like it, it has a little bit of potential. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised that you were considering it for standard because I just assumed three for two, three, like base power toughness, that's a little bit hard to turn on to yeah. bigger is, is too expensive. But if it was two mana, it would probably be playable. I, I agree. I do. I do like that, you know, the trigger is repeatable, right? If you play multiple Thopters a turn, it's going to grow. Yeah. So it can be a really big trampler. I just... I agree that I don't think the red, red green artifact deck is is going to be t- churning out enough artifacts to make this worth it. Well, let's move on to a very aggressive card that is going to see standard play. Uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger is two mana for a three two. It can't block. Real big downside. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. Uh, black one, exile another creature card from your graveyard, return Scrap Heap Scavenger from your graveyard to the battlefield. This card is fantastic. Uh, it is colorless, which means it counts for Vile Aggregate, it counts for, um, Forerunner of Slaughter, uh, it's, yeah, so that's relevant. It's an artifact, so it counts for all the Artifact Matters cards. It can return itself to the battlefield, um, which is great. Uh, it's a three power, two uh, mana creature, which is great. It can exile stuff in your graveyard, including things like uh, Eternal Scourge, which is pretty cool. This card has so many different angles to it. It doesn't look like it. Like upon first reading, you're like, oh, cool. 
3-2 with Recursion. This has a ton of angles to it. The fact that it is an artifact creature, a construct, a colorless card, Recursion, aggressive, cheap, it's it's great. And this could fit in multiple shells. Um, I could see many different decks wanting this. And even like the fact that you can return it to the battlefield means that it turns on your prized amalgams, right? You could put this in the blue-black, uh, or the whatever it's up to, the blue-black, green-red, Cosplex Return, Zombie, Eldrazi Emerge deck, and this is awesome. Uh, so I'm really excited about this card. I think it's really good, and it will see standard play. Cool. I'm excited to see that play out. Next up, Bomat Courier. This is one for a 1-1 one, one artifact construct with haste. Whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library face down. You can pay red, discard your hand, and sacrifice Bomat Courier. Put all cards exiled with Bomat Courier into their owner's hands. So I find it concerning that this is a 1-1. One, one and you get the value from it by attacking. Um, I think it's going to be hard to attack this with this card. If you have it on turn one, you can swing for definitely a turn. But by turn two, there's a lot of good two drops, I think. I, I think you're going to have a bigger body and you're not going to be able to swing. So you might exile one card and you might be able to discard your whole hand and draw one card. I just am not sure that it's worth it. I disagree to a point. I think this card is better than people are giving it credit for. Um, if you're on the play, it's very different on the play and draw. Yeah. If you're on the play, you get to swing with this twice, right? Your yeah. opponent is not going to have a turn one play. True, true. Usually. Like, sure, they could play a Thraven Inspector. Um, or maybe, you know, if they're also an aggro deck, they'll have a turn one play. Um, so we have to see how the format looks. But you get in with this on the play twice, let's say. And then once you start swinging with your bigger threats, sure, your opponent can block this and kill it. But that means you're getting a lot of damage in. And I really like that. I think that um, it's a kind of lose-lose scenario for your opponent where if they block this, they're going to take a bunch of damage and then they die. And if they don't block this, you get additional triggers. And when they go to try to kill it, you just sack it. You're not going to have any cards in your hand left anyways. And you get to just draw those face-down exiled cards. Um, additionally, this is a Madness outlet. So now we're seeing some more support for Madness where... Uh, I could swing this only once, once or twice, and then just wait until I have one card in hand. I can sack this, discard my Alms of the Vein, drain them for three, and then I get a card, right? It cycles. You don't. I don't think you need to exile three or four cards to make this good. I think you can exile one or two, and this is good. It's going to get in one or two damage, uh, and then it, if you're in a Madness deck, you get to a Madness outlet that will cantrip for you, which is, is pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay, I like it better in a Madness deck, and if you're only expecting to get one to two cards, then I think it's okay. But how terrible would it feel to draw this card in the late game? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, that's true for a lot of aggro cards, right? You don't want to get to the late game. That's your true. solution. Is like, that's the trade-off you're making where you're saying, my cards are all terrible on turn seven, so I need to end the game before turn five. Yeah, but um, this isn't even good on turn three. I mean, okay, so here's what I imagine. I think this is okay on turn so, three. Here's what I do. On turn okay. three, I draw this. All right, yep. let's, say, let's even say it's late game. This isn't even bad late game. It's a cantrip. Late yeah. game, I draw this. I play it for one mana. I swing with it. They maybe block, maybe don't. But when it attacks, it exiles the card. So before it dies, I get to just pay red, sack it, and I get to loop it. So I actually think this card is good in the late game. I think this is, is a good card. Because it does it re at least replace it. Yeah, just cantrips. For two mana. Yeah. And cantrips. Yeah. All right. 
I'll give it credit for that. I am still not excited to put it in the deck. And it's a one-mana artifact, which means that the Artifact Matters cards care. And this is why I'm still, I'm still like, man, what deck does this go in? Because, like, can you shove Colorless Matters, Madness, Artifacts, Aggro, Energy (laughs) into a shell? I think realistically, no. I think you get a bunch of different aggro decks. But again, these cards are flexible, and it seems like they could fit in multiple of these shells. So which shell they'll be best in remains to be seen. Right. The fact that this is an artifact and that the activated ability costs red does matter. Uh, So our next card is Consul's Power. This is white enchantment. Creatures your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you gain one life. Honestly, I don't don't know. I think that... Thalia's really good. Yeah, Thalia's a 3-2 first striker. (laughs) And a human, which is relevant... This card, I think, is a fine sideboard card against aggro because it basically buys you a ton of time, right? Mm. If their guys have haste, uh, they can't use that. They can no longer play the game of, like, play my non-haste guy and then tap it to crew a vehicle and swing with that because their guy comes down tapped. Um, And it gains a life every time it comes down, so that's also going to give you a little bit of a cushion against their aggro. So um, I think this is an okay sideboard card. Uh, I, I'm I'm just a little hesitant because it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Um, it, it's you have to decide whether or not it's worth it to have this card early and basically give up a card in your hand in exchange for extending the game long enough where your uh, late game cards can actually win. So you're willing to go down a card in exchange for extending the game to uh, play your more powerful cards. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think this is usually not worth it. Maybe, maybe see his play in a sideboard. Um, the other thing is multiples of this are terrible. And um, I think about always watching because... Multiples are bad, but you get multiple life. Yeah, but... You get two life per thing. Two life if they're... If, especially if it's an aggro with like thopters or servos, you get two life per thopter or servo. Which means maybe they just don't play them. So like maybe they just fabricate instead, and then it's one creature instead of. I don't. Two. I don't. I don't think you're gonna see much fabricate. Yeah, I think in, I'm just talking about like ETB thopters. Yeah, but there aren't a ton of those though. Whole uh, set's not spoiled yet. Okay. Right. I think there's gonna be more thopter cards. But I think like also, if you're in white, you might just be playing Thalia main board, and if you are, I think this card's just redundant, and you don't need it. Totally. Totally. All right, our legendary card. Well. One of our legendary cards of the night. Padim, Console of Innovation. This is blue three for a one four. Uh, legendary creature, Vidalkin Artificer. Artifacts you control have hexproof. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control the artifact with the highest converted mana cost or tied for the highest converted mana cost, draw a card. Yep, this is good. Artifacts you control have hexproof is a good line of text, <laughs> basically. The four toughness is good. It will block most things. Um, you know, my first thought is like, I, I don't think this is super modern playable, but like it's boltproof, right? And mm-hmm. they, it doesn't die to the new lightning strike unless they have extra energy. Right. Um, I think that if there is a kind of mid-rangey deck with artifacts, this definitely goes into it. Uh, because I think that if you're playing a lot of artifacts, you will most often have bigger artifacts than your opponent does in terms of converted mana cost. So usually this is like 
protection from all the other artif uh, protection for all your other artifacts, and you get to draw two cards every turn. Really, really good. Um, it it's certainly going to be a removal magnet, um, as a lot of really good cards are. But I think it it might be worth it in that kind of artifact heavy shell, um, especially if you you do have some if you're playing like a couple counter spells, you have some way to protect it. Um, that would be nice, but. I don't know that such a shell exists. I think it's just kind of, it's a little bit awkward. Yeah. Four I, mana. Four mana's a lot. Four mana's kind of a lot. You have to be doing something extremely good with artifacts and yeah. have a way to protect this. Because as you pointed out, the artifacts have hexproof, hexproof but Padim isn't super hard to kill. The four right. toughness is good, but it's, it's certainly not unkillable in standard. Yep. So I like it. We're going to have to see if a shell pops up for it. This, uh, I guess another spot this could go is if there's an artifact-based combo deck where you want to protect the pieces of your combo, you play Padim, and then the next turn you go off. Or you play Padim and go off the same turn, and then turn, and then they need to have a removal spell for Padim in addition to uh, some way of disrupting the combo. Yeah, I like that. Um, do you think Sahili's part of the combo? No. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe realistically, uh, yes. if there's some kind of combo deck in standard, but we'll we'll see. I, it doesn't look like I've seen a, a great one yet that has interested me. No, but who knows? Last, uh, but definitely not least, we have our planeswalker, uh, our final planeswalker for Kaladesh. We're expecting two more. New planeswalker. Yeah. So Ether Revolt will probably have Tezzeret, and it looks like it might have a Jani uh, in it. So this is Dovin Bond, white blue two. Three loyalty, plus one until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Minus one, you gain two life and draw a card. Minus seven, you get an emblem with static orb. Uh, your opponents can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step. So we haven't actually discussed this card at all. No. So let's, uh, let's do that now. What do you think? I really like the plus. I was reading along... And uh, minus three, minus zero till next turn. Planeswalker protects himself. Very good. And it was fine until I saw activated abilities can't be activated. Like, what? This card completely neutralizes your favorite card. Eldrazi Displacer. So. Yeah. It does neutralize Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah. And anything else with problem Unless you have two abilities. of them in response to the target blink one. That's what's up. All right. All right. All right. But, uh, Two Displacers, always better than one. Displacer plus Spellskite, so good. Sorry, we're talking about Dovinbon, not Eldrazi Displacer. <laughs> um, I do think the plus is super good, though. The minus is fine also. Gain two life, draw a card. Blue likes drawing cards. I mean, everyone likes drawing cards, but particularly maybe a blue-white controlling deck might enjoy or more heavily rely on outdrawing their opponent. And the emblem's very good. I mean, the, the emblem basically wins you the game. Just like a lot of the recent emblems where it's it's actually a game winner. So I I like this card a lot. So Dovin Bon for me is first like it's it's a very cookie cutter card. Um, I think it's kind of boring, which <gasps> makes me sad to say. No. Like plus one shut down a creature. Yeah, but like I'm completely not, like, shut up down. <sighs> plus one, same as Jace's plus one, same as Liliana's plus one. But shut better. Down, shut down a creature. But better. Not, no, not always better. Uh, minus two, 
more or less same as or minus one sorry it's more or less same as what ob does same as what uh some other cards do with their minus you're basically drawing a card the two life is probably not super relevant alt wins you the game it does it really slowly in a controlly way that's cool um like to me it's a kind of a boring card but that doesn't mean it's not good i'm not saying it's not good ob nixilis is a super boring card but it's a very very good planeswalker right and we've seen it shine in black white control um, analyzing actually the so the quality of the card, four mana for uh, starting three loyalty. You're really kind of starting at four with the plus. I think is a fine rate. Um, being able to protect itself with its plus ability is important um, because uh, things with like Liliana, right? Part of the reason Liliana ults so often is because she is protecting herself while ticking up. So I think that's makes the, any planeswalker better. Uh, and I, I like that it shuts down activated abilities. I don't know how relevant it's going to be. Like, we haven't seen a lot of activated abilities that are going to be super played. We've seen a lot of ETBs that are great. But we'll have to see whether there's activated abilities worth shutting down. So if we ignore that part of the clause, it's just pretty much the same as, like, Jacer Lily, where you're kind of just fogging one creature for a turn, um, which is good. Like, it protects itself. Um, and if you're in a control deck, like, they're not going to have more than one or two creatures anyways. So this is, like buying you time, temporary removal until you can actually kill the thing. Uh, the I, I really like that it's minus one to draw a card instead of minus two. Yeah. For me, that's really big. I, I'm really excited to be able to play this on an empty board on turn six and like out of gas at top deck this, cast it, draw two cards for the next two or three turns if I have to. That to me is really good. So I like that. Uh, taking the two abilities in combination with each other, I think that where this this shines where Narset struggled. Um, mm. So Narset was our other blue-white planeswalker. She was blue-white uh, two for six loyalty. Absurdly high, right? Take up plus one to look at the top card of your library. If it's a uh, non-land, non-creature put into your hand, so it's like a 50-50 shot off drawing a card. Minus two to rebound a spell, and then her ult, you know, opponents can't cast non-creature spells. So she would draw you a card half the time with a plus, the plus ability, uh, if you built her in the correct shell, maybe a little bit more than half the time. Um, her minus was card advantage uh, as well, but she didn't really protect herself. Her kind of form of protection was that she had super high loyalty, so she almost always lived, especially if she's in a control deck where you're killing things. But Narset was awful against aggro decks. <laughs> There's like You're paying four mana to actually do nothing, and they can ignore her. They just kill you. Right? And you're dead. You took your turn four off to not impact the board in any way whatsoever. Dovin Bon, you're able to play it, tick up and shut down one of their attackers, and then you get to gain life and draw cards at the same time, which is, is really good. So these two abilities in conjunction with each other, I really like Dovin Bon in, uh, in, in most matchups. Like, oftentimes Planeswalkers shine in really aggressive or really uh, slow matchups more often the kind of slow mid-range matchups than the aggressive ones. But Dovin Bond is good in both. Uh, like, certainly he's not the best card ever in the aggro games, but it's not, nowhere near dead. I'm not sad to play it against an aggro deck. Um, so it's good against aggro. It provides card advantage like you want against control decks. Um, play it, tick down twice, tick it up, tick down, tick up, tick down, and so on. Um, and the first... you don't, Maybe you don't even tick it down, depending on the board state. You just alt... Because the, the thing that I like about the ult <laughs> is it's a little de deceptive. I think people might look at it and say, well, 
this emblem doesn't actually win you the game, right? Like, if I play Chandra's emblem, every spell that I cast deals 5 damage to their face, they're just dead. I, I don't have to do anything. I cast two spells and I kill them, and that's it. Um, and, you know, Jace's, uh, Flip Jace's Vrin's Prodigy emblem was whenever you cast a spell, mill 5. So, like, similar to Chandra, where it has some kind of inevitability, except Jace's emblem was sometimes too slow, whereas Chandra's not. This emblem is even slower than Jace's, but I would argue is even more inevitability than Jace's. I think when you emblem Dovin Bon, you do win the game, uh, but you just don't win it for many, many, many turns, uh, depending on like if you have what your other win condition in the deck is. Uh, so I think that against Dovin Bon, if they ult it, I think you usually want to concede because I think it's just going to be, if you're playing against Dovin Bon, um, I think you're just going to lose a bunch of time, um, but not like... So if you want to think about, okay, we're in the late game against control deck, how do I beat the control deck? Well, I have to go over the top somehow. I have to cast something good. But if I do that, I'm probably paying a lot of mana, and then I can only untap two permanents, hmm. so which means I can't do something good again for another four turns. Um, I, there's no way you come back from that. You can't cast something, have the control deck deal with it, and then take four turns off to do something again. You just can't do that. So yeah. I, I, I like Dovin Bomb. It will see play. Uh, the thing to keep in mind is that it's, you know, if it's, if you're, it depends what kind of control deck we have. It depends what the colors are in the control deck. We haven't seen what our counter spell is going to be for the set. We haven't seen what our sweeper is going to be for the set. So until we see those, it's hard to kind of evaluate Dovin Bond with very much certainty. Um, it's also, if you're in a white deck, you're kind of competing with Gideon. But again, it depends on what kind of control deck you're doing. If you're playing this tap-out strategy, Gideon is really good. I love to go turn four Gideon, smash, 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 and, like, kill a threat that you play. Like, that's really great. Um, and it's, he's great in black light control. But Dovin Bond is really good in the more reactive, slower, uh, Drago-ish style of control. So we're going to have to wait and see what control decks uh, end up popping up. But I am excited uh, about Dovin Bond. I think it's a good Planeswalker. I'm excited to get another blue-white Planeswalker. Mm. This is only our third one. Um, but our first one was Venser forever ago. And I personally loved Narset and played a ton of her. And she was very good for me. Splashed her innate Obzon deck and she was great. <laughs> but, you know, never really saw a ton of play because control decks, like, the best control deck was Esper Dragons. And Esper Dragons doesn't really want Narset very much. So there was no super slow Drago deck. Um, so Dovin Bond, uh, I think, is probably more competitive than Narset because it does protect itself. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where he pops up. Agreed. Do you think we could see this in a deck with the White Gear Hulk as the removal? Yeah, I like this against the White Gear Hulk. You go, you play Dovin... Uh, I mean, I guess the ordering's a little weird. But like, I like playing... <laughs> Gear Hulk wiping all of their stuff away except one creature, and then you tick up Dovin Bun on that one creature, and now you have a Gear Hulk, and they have nothing. You get to swing and beat them down. Pretty good. Pretty good. So that's it for today. Lots of cards from today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with more spoilers and two special guests. We're going to have Min back tomorrow with. No, it should be a surprise someone else who is going to be a surprise so be sure to tune in and i hope we get that counterspell really hope we get a good counterspell maybe an energy based uh blue one 
when you cast it, add like three energy, then you can counter target spell, and unless they pay X and like you pay energy, and they have to pay X for X the amount of energy, and it's like a mana leak-ish, but mana leak's too good, so they won't do that. Okay, well that sounds very convoluted, but we do have the really nice red sorcery that use or instant that uses energy, the black live fast die young that use energy, so maybe maybe, maybe. a blue one's in the works. I actually would like to see out of the set a couple more good instants and sorceries. We haven't seen many. We've seen a lot of artifacts. We've seen a lot of very powerful creatures. But the instants and sorceries have been a little bit underwhelming, I think. Uh, I, I, I'm keeping an eye out for targets for the blue gear hulk. Mm. Um, and, like, in Grixis, I think it has a decent number of targets. Uh, and, like, we still have stuff sticking around from old standard, like, Ruinous Path. But I'd like to see some more. I'd like to see some more. Especially with Flash. Like, I'd love to go... Flash in the gear hulk and cast a counter spell. Oh, that'd be so sweet. Gross. Gross. Yeah. So that's it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And, and this, this is, is spoiler, spoiler season. season.